0: You're listening to a Count Out podcast. Hey, everybody! This is Ryan from G One and Only. I I'm at the post office. You know, I can hear. I got the package here. Uh, I I I'm fairly confident I got the DVDs in, so I can watch these goddamn G One climax matches. For context, I ordered these November 8th before episode 2 came out. And I've ordered them so that they come out. You know, I ordered them November 8th. It is now December 4th. Uh, So, I'm hoping this is it. Oh my god, why is this taking so long? This pandemic, I have not been working out in any capacity. Come on. There we are. Yeah, there we are. There's the rip. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it's a bunch of loose d- discs. I really hope this works. I really hope it's correct. It is literally what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine loose discs. <laughs> All with permanent marker etchings that say New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 1994. Uh, with four, di- three discs for that. Uh, Was this uh, four discs, five discs for ninety three? Jesus, uh, I think that's actually the year I'm doing this episode on. I don't even remember. And ninety two, to go backwards on find a, those Barbarian Nightheart matches. Hopefully, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Well, let's. I don't really hope these work. Let's get to it, folks. In 1991, the first ever G1 Climax was born. Replacing the former World Leagues and IWGP League tournaments, this new tournament took the top heavyweights New Japan Pro Wrestling had to offer to see who truly was the best in the promotion. But not everyone got the opportunity to compete in the G1 Climax. After all, the G1 Climax was for the best of the best and to be invited in was an honor in of itself. Some wrestlers never appeared, while some competed year in and year out. Today, however, we will be discussing the men that got the call only one time. This is G1 and Only. Welcome to G1 and Only, my name is Ryan Knightsey. If you listened to the last episode of G1 and Only, then a lot of this is going to be a repeat for you. But if you are new, let's talk about the 1993 G1 Climax. It was a 16-man, single-elimination-style tournament. However, instead of being for a championship or working with WCW like 1992, the 1993 G1 Climax included wrestlers from outside promotions such as Wrestle and Romance and Pro Wrestling Fujiwara Group. On today's episode, we will review the performance of all the wrestlers from Wrestler Romance, including, and apologies for a possible mispronunciation, Hiromichi Fuyoki, Ashurahara, Takahishi Ishikawa, and the Great Kabuki, and one more wrestler from New Japan itself in Kengo Kimura. These five wrestlers made their one and only appearance in the G1 Climax, and today we will review each other's individual performances today, on G1 and only. Before we discuss the 1993 G1 Climax, on the last episode of G1 and Only, I introduced a grading scale to rate wrestlers' G1 Climax performance. The grading system is based on two criteria, the first of which is how well does the individual wrestler do in the G1 Climax? Do they, you know, lose in the first round? Do they only receive two points? Or are they entering the semi, the finals, making it into the top of the block? The second criteria is based on obviously on my personal opinion on their performance i'm the one judging it so obviously this is sort of subjective but so is you know literally every other wrestling match in the history of wrestling matches i mean not one person's wrestling opinion is fact however on this show my opinion is law but of course you can watch some of these matches online along with some through purchases online itself so you can go check them out for yourself a lot of them are really good but for all the reference, you can head on over to countoutpod.com and go to the G1 and Only tab to see every single wrestler that we have discussed on the show, along with their graded performances. And I think it's best to just, you know, start here to get him out of the way. Takashi Ishikawa was not on a single dvd that i received not even on a highlight reel of first round matches which uh, is something previously discussed on the show uh and we will continue this appears to be a continuing issue of you know a select number of matches moving forward in this program after the last episode i tried to do a, some additional research on why new japan's back catalog was you know one not appearing on their new japan world streaming site and two possibly not on these dvds for the show i mean the best reason and possibly the only reason i can find right now is due to tv and broadcast rights the tv station back in the 90s apparently owned the broadcast rights to the matches and shows obviously since they're broadcasting the shows i can't go into detail about 90s television rights to the matches and shows obviously But uh, my best estimate is that New Japan's contract with their television distributor included the TV station holding on to the broadcast rights of some of the shows. So, for example, if you were watching, let's say, modern NFL American football, the NFL will sell their shows being football games to a network station. The station isn't going to buy every single game taking place that weekend, nor are they going to air it in every region of the United States. So if you are, let's say, a Jacksonville Jaguars fan housed in Florida, it would be hard for you to watch weekly television games of the Seattle Seahawks, who are regionally across the country. And, you know, some games just might not be that exciting. Now, how does this relate to 90s New Japan? Well, New Japan has a product of tape shows that they want to air on television, of course. You know, there's no streaming site, obviously, at this point, And there's no way Antonio Inoki thought streaming was going to be a thing. So my best guess would be that their TV station at the time had the broadcast rights for New Japan shows. Distribution for DVDs, I don't know who would have owned those, but... For some reason or another, the TV station and New Japan came to the conclusion that they can't show the entire G1 Climax tournament on TV. So that is why, for instance, that night two of the 1993 G1 Climax exists in full, but night three, which features Takashi Ishikawa taking on Osama Kido, was only released as the finish of the match to keep fans up to date on the tournament. But that leaves me of this thought. The matches were obviously filmed to have the finish turned into a highlight reel, correct? I mean, there's no way that New Japan would just turn on the cameras two minutes before the finish and be like, well, let's get let's get this for the highlight reel. And if that's the case, then where are the full matches? And if they exist, who owns the rights to stream them in 2020? You know, obviously streaming was never really a thing. And I've only taken one college course on copyright law, but either way, New Japan uh, could own the streaming rights, or it could be the person that publishes the broadcast rights owner, so the TV station maybe. But either way, New Japan has published the finals of all the G ones, but typically don't publish any of the other matches from their early G one. So they have some sort of streaming rights on the finals. So presumably it would imply that they have streaming rights on everything else. So if that's then the case, why not just publish the rest of the G one climaxes for more content to your streaming site and really, uh, expand on your back catalog. Could it be a server space issue? You know, could it be, they just are waiting for something. I don't know. You know, these are my questions for you. New Japan pro wrestling. Where is your back catalog? Who has the streaming rights? When will you let me watch Ishikawa versus Kido in full? Anyway, hope that provides a little clarity on that issue. Otherwise, let's move forward with the show. Takashi Ishikawa's G1 and Only Grade, not available. We move forward with The Great Kabuki. Kabuki is a historic name all over the world, becoming the predecessor to a lot of those painted face gimmicks in Japan and in other parts of the world. He's also known as the first wrestler to innovate the spraying of mist into opponent's face. I would go into more detail about The Great Kabuki, but I think it's better place to just get this match out of the way against his predecessor and once kayfabe son, Kejimuto. We join the match in progress. Keji Muto has control of the match, hitting a running bulldog on Kabuki. Muto leaves to the top rope and hits Kabuki with a diving lariat. Seeing this opening for the spot, Muto drops Kabuki down once more, leaps to the top rope, and lands his signature moonsault for the win. Conclusion. As you can see, I didn't want to get too involved with Kabuki because what do you, we just heard involves zero offense from the wrestler. Being that as in May, it is impossible for me to grade the Great Kabuki's G1 performance here. I mean, I guess I could say his selling was okay, but with zero offense, that makes my task all the more challenging to accomplish. The Great Kabuki continued to bounce around the globe. He appeared in the 1994 Royal Rumble. He had a series of retirement matches in 1998, where the final match was him teaming with, and if I'm reading this correctly, Terry Funk and Doug Gilbert to face the team of Freddy Krueger, Leatherface, and Metalface. The Great Kabuki's G1 and only grade, not available. Well, why don't we get to some actual wrestling folks? Next up is Ashura Hara. Following a rugby career, Hara joined International Wrestling Enterprise, where he officially debuted in June of 1978. There he had a couple excursions to Stampede Wrestling in Canada, Mid-South Wrestling in the Mid-South, and even one match in New Japan where he challenged Hatsumi Fujinami for the WWF Junior Heavyweight Championship. Hara later moved to All Japan for a lengthy run until he was fired by Giant Baba for quote, massive gambling debts, unquote. After a brief hiatus, Hara returned to wrestling for Super World of Sport, followed by WAR or Wrestle and Romance. Here, like many others, Hara received an invite to wrestle in the third annual G1 Climax Tournament for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And his first match will be against only time G1 Climax winner Masahiro Chono. Whoa! The match begins with a strong lockup into a simple headlock, rope run, shoulder block exchange with Hara standing tall. Hara and Chono lock up once again with Chono now running the same exchange. Chono attempts to capitalize, but Hara reverses this into a suplex and some stiff headbutts. But Chono reverses into a suplex of his own. After a little pause, Chono goes after Hara's legs with a leg lock, but rolls into a bulldog headlock. Hara, however, gets out by pushing Chono off and hitting a stiff lariat into a splash into the corner and a DDT. After leaving to catch his breath, Chono returns to the ring and the two men enter a test of strength. Hara proves he is the strongest, followed by the two headbutting each other. Chono reverses the test of strength, fingers still locked with a suplex. Very innovative move here. Chono goes after Hara's legs once more while Hara gets Chono into a headlock, then an armbar, but Chono is able to escape and apply his own armbar. Hara escapes and gives some stiff chops to Chono. Chono then finally finds safety in a stiff kick to Hara's head until he falls victim to some of Hara's elbow strikes. Chono is able to escape again and mares Hara and gives him a stiff kick to the back. Hara and Chono compete in another test of strength, with Hara proving again his strength, proving further with headbutts and continued kicks to Chono's skull. Chono follows up with strikes to escape and kicks to a down Hara. He climbs the top rope and flies, but Hara headbutts Chono out of the way, busting open his eye in the process. Hara hits Chono with several high powered lariats for a very close three count until Chono is able to dodge a lariat. Chono and Hara trade lariats and kicks until Chono is able to trap Hara in his STF, but Hara gets to the ropes. Hara hits one more lariat, but his body is slowing down. He is an older man here. Chono runs off the ropes twice, each time hitting Hara with stiff kicks to the head. Hara absorbs most of the blows until he falls victim to a third kick. Chono takes advantage of the down Hara and locks in the STF. Chono transitions the classic STF chin grip into sort of a dragon sleeper grip, causing Ashura Hara to tap out. Conclusion. For a 46 year old veteran, Ashura Hara wrestled a decent match. It was your classic old versus young match where Ashurahara proved his strength over the younger Masahiro Chono. However, it's Chono's youth and more specifically his speed that allows him to edge out the victory. Following this match, Hara and Chono wrestled once more in a rematch, this time in the war promotion in September of the same year. In that match, Hara is able to earn back a win, resulting in Hara and Chono's all-time record to end 1-1. In July of the next year, Ashurahara announced his retirement, putting an end to his 16 year long career. His final match was a loss against his close friend, Genichiru Tenru. Ashurahara's G1 and only grade, C. Kengo Kimura is next up on G1 and only. And his appearance in this show is a puzzling one to me. Kimura had been with New Japan since 1973, taking a brief departure in 1977 to 1980 to wrestle in North America. He moved up to heavyweight in 1986 and stayed with the company till 2003. Yet despite all of that, this is Kengo Kimura's only G1 Climax appearance. I can't find anything about why he didn't compete in any of the G1 climax, but I just sort of found this stat fascinating. Kimura entered this tournament facing fellow staple Michiyoshi Ohara. We entered this match in progress. Kimura picks Ohara up and powerbombs him and goes for a very lax signature pin, but surprise, surprise does not get it. Kimura then goes for another powerbomb and gets the three count. Conclusion. Another highlight of a match finish here, Kimura seemed to be performing great in front of the hot crowd, albeit the very lackadaisical pin attempt. But nonetheless, he gets the win and moves on to the next round, where he faces Hiroshi Hase. The match begins with a running leg lariat from Kimura, followed by a second and a third to Hase's back. Kimura continues the assault with two power bombs to Hase and a single leg Boston Crab. Hase tries to roll out of the submission hold, but Kimura rolls through it as well to apply the hold facing the other direction. However, Hase eventually reaches the ropes. After some stiff kicks and punches to Hase, Kimura applies the single leg once more on Hase, but he is able to reach the ropes again. Kimura attempts the powerbomb, but Hase blocks it, reversing it into a back body drop in the process. He then follows up with a super kick into a swing for a full 10 revolutions. Kimura, however, was seemingly unfazed by the dizziness and immediately gets up and back suplexes Hase. After taking a moment to sort of recover from the dizziness, Kimura hits a low drop kick to Hase's knee and follows up the attack with more strikes to that same knee. Kimura proceeds to really wrench on Hase's left knee, really locking it in for it with a knee hold. Hase attempts to escape, but Kimura continues the calculated domination on Hase's knee. Hase tries to strike and speed his way out, but Kimura just never lets him, putting Hase into a knee bar, then a single-leg Boston Crab once more. I've never seen someone more violent and consistent to a single body part before. Kimura locks Hase into his Texas Cloverleaf Submission Hold for added knee damage, but again Hase wills his way to the ropes. This sequence happens for a longer and more painful second time. Kimura runs off the ropes again and hits Hase with a leg lariat twice, finally going for a pin, but doesn't get the victory. Kimura goes for a power bomb, but Hase kicks out again. Kimura goes for a second power bomb, and with the signature lax pin from before, doesn't get it. Kimura goes for another leg lariat, but Hase counters with a urinagi. Hase picks up Kimura to get another Uranagi, but Kimura counters that into a DDT. Kimura has Hase ready for another powerbomb, but Hase flattens out and catches Kimura with a pin attempt, but Kimura kicks out. Hase picks up Kimura and hits two high-angle Uranagis, but Kimura still kicks out. Hase goes for the third. Hase goes for a Northern Lights Stripe Jacket German and gets the win. Following the match, we see Hase being helped backstage, putting no pressure on his knee and icing it for added assistance. Conclusion This was probably my favorite match in the entire run of G1 and Only so far, built around the heel and Kengo Kimura just utterly and consistently attacking Hase's knee, leaving Hase having to find a lucky opening to turn things around. This match was incredibly well worked. Hiroshi Hase sold Kengu Kimura's attacks like death, even exaggerating his coughing to act as if he was coughing up blood somehow. Kengu Kimura showcased dominance and pinpoint accuracy that however good it may have been, sadly led to his defeat. As discussed earlier, Kengu Kimura would stay in New Japan until 2003, where he would have one more run as the IWGP Tag Team Champion with Tetsumi Fujinami. Kengo Kamura's G1 and only grade, B. Finally, we have Hiromichi Fioki. Similar to Ashurahara, Fioki was trained by Yoshihara, making his wrestling debut in May of 1980. He traveled around to different promotions, spending most of his time pre-G1 Climax in all Japan in a team with Kawada named Footloose. I cannot confirm if this name was named after the movie of the same title, but let's just say that the movie came out in 1984 and this tag team was formed in 1985. Fuoki eventually joined War, where he became a top heel wrestler in the promotion. As per this year's G1 Climax, Fuyuki was invited to compete on behalf of war, and in his opening match, he faced Takayuki Izuka. Yes, that Izuka. The bald-headed, steel-claw-handed, madman Izuka. Except here, he was still young and full of youth and hair, and pink trunks. you love to see it. The match begins with both men circling each other, sizing one another apart. After a test of strength and headbutts, Fiyoki gets his upper hand, until Azuka pushes Fiyoki into the ropes and slaps him into the face. This obviously angers Fiyoki, and he throws Azuka outside the ring. Fiyoki goes for another test of strength, but Izuki beeps down Fiyoki instead with several blows to the back and stiff kicks to the head and chest. Fiyoki's intimidation strategy has not been working. Fuyoki attempts to re enter the ring, but Azuka just slaps Fuyoki over and over until Fuyoki is able to headbutt his way through. Fuyoki continues headbutting Azuka until Azuka fires back with some headbutts of his own and some chops. Fuyoki has enough and screams at Azuki, and then we have a classic headbutt off. Fioki gets the brief upper hand. Izuka stands tall to Fioki's attacks, catching Fioki with a half-and-half suplex for the two. Izuka goes for a second, but Fioki powers out and locks in an arm wrench, a domino-stretch combination. The two men leave the ring, and Fioki drops Izuka's knee on the table on the outside. Fioki re-enters the ring to a chorus of boos that he just appears to love. Izuka attempts to re-enter the ring, but Fioki stops him. But not for long. Azuka jumps to the top rope, hits a flying drop kick, and follows up with a big German suplex and a close three count. Azuka then hits a fisherman suplex, but his knees buckle and is unable to fall up for the pin. Fyoki takes advantage of this by giving repeated shots to Azuka's knee. Fyoki clotheslines Azuka twice into the corner and gets a two count. Fioki powers up his run, but spent too much time powering up and not enough time dodging Azuka's dropkick. Azuka goes for a vertical suplex, but Fioki reverses the move into a pin. Azuka whips Fioki into the corner, but Fioki gets himself out of the corner and hits Azuka with a top rope seated splash onto Azuki's head for a close, very close three count. The crowd begins to cheer on Azuka. Fioki hits a very high angle back body drop on Izuka, taunts and lands a second one, this time turning it into a pin attempt and gets the three count for the win. Conclusion. This was a really good, simple match, built around Fioki's repeated attacks on Izuka's head and knee, while Izuki was using his heart and resiliency. Fioki was always in control of the match, and when he wasn't, it was more or less Azuki's mirrored response to what Fioki was doing to him. War's Hiromichi Fioki moves on in the G1 Climax Tournament to face the man that defeated Ashurahara Masahiro Chono. We join this match in progress. Fioki has seemingly dominated Chono, yelling at the crowd to only receive a chorus of boos in return. Fiyoki goes for a back body drop but Chono counters, allowing himself to get back control in this match. After using his speed to kick down Fiyoki, Chono dodges a spinning heel kick and lands a German suplex on Fiyoki, but is unable to follow up with a pin. Chono applies a deep abdominal stretch onto Fiyoki here, where he is just screaming in pain, really getting strained by Chono here. Chono, however, releases the hold, much to Fioki's chagrin, and proceeds to climb the top rope and land his signature diving shoulder block on Fioki, following up with his STF. Fioki eventually reaches the ropes, allowing a quick reprieve, only to end with Chono stomping on Fioki's head. Chono picks up Fioki in a last-ditch effort, Fioki nails Chono with an elbow to the jaw both men go down, but after catching his breath, Fioki realizes that Chono is still down and quickly shuffles over for the pin, but does not get it. Fioki then runs off the ropes, lariating Chono twice, getting a two count. Fioki goes for another lariat, but Chono gets the drop toe hold and locks in the STF. The referee runs in close to the panic Fioki. Fioki knows his spot is numbered and tells the referee that he quits. conclusion following the 1993 g1 climax hiromichi Fioki stayed with war a little bit longer uh, actually teaming with Jado and gato where they won the six-man tag team titles six times fiyoki would eventually leave war and head to frontier martial art wrestling or fmw where he eventually became the head of team no respect a heel stable in the company eventually fiyoki actually became the head booker of the company but due to new sports entertainment esque storylines, the loss of Hayabusa, and other top stars, the company had to fold. Hiromichi Fioki would wrestle his final match in Pro Wrestling Noah, where he was on the winning side of a six man tag team match in April of 2002. But I have to mention this story because it is bonkers. Hiromichi Fioki planned to come out of retirement in 2003, but sadly, he Passed away before his planned match against Shinya Hashimoto. But the match went forward with Kentaro Kanamura taking Fiyoki's place. During that electrified barbed wire death match, Hashimoto asked for Fuyoki's ashes, which Kanamura obliged. Hashimoto then flung himself into the barbed wire, holding on to Fiyoki's ashes symbolically allowing Fiocchi a posthumous victory over his original planned opponent. I have never read a more touching, real emotional moment to take place in a barbed wire death match. A true moment that can only take place in this great sport of professional wrestling. Hiramichi Fiocchi's G1 and only grade, B-. The G1 and Only wrestlers in the 1993 G1 Climax did fairly well for what I watched. Unlike WCW, in my opinion, the wrestlers of war went out in front of the New Japan crowd and proved why they were a promotion to watch, and that obviously is the best outcome for any cross-promotional story. High recommendation to watch for me if you ever get the chance to wait a full month to ship 5 DVDs to your house. In two weeks, we will look at the 1994 G1 Climax, and for the very first time in a while, we will only be discussing one singular wrestler, and that wrestler is Yoshiaki Yatsu, a representative from the promotion Social Progress Wrestling Federation. Plus, next episode is the return of the well-known round-robin tournament format, so we will be able to see Yatsu challenge several wrestlers, including Chono, Muto, Kido, Fujiwara, and Choshu. But until then, stay safe, everybody, and I will talk to you about it all next week on G1 and Only.